Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is CM Alexander with the news. As Susan Day nears the end of her speech only a few floors above us, we would like to thank our... Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, CM Alexander, alongside Joshua Kahn. Hey, everybody. And Benjamin Graham. Sup, constant readers. And today we are finishing Insomnia, and Josh is leading the discussion. All right. Last chunk of Insomnia. This book is massive, and it is confusing. I think this last chunk is more insanity than the rest of the book combined. It is so bizarre. <laughs> it isn't. This is just a fucking weird book. I I don't have better words for it. Than that. <laughs> so uh, to recap where we are, uh, Ed Deepno has been driven mad by the Crimson King and is going to fly a plane into the Dairy Civic Center. And Ralph and Lois are at the lair of Atropos, and they're going to try to find something here that will stop him and save the day. Can you guys perfectly picture the inside of this tree? No. I could. It, but I'm not going to describe it to you. <laughs> <laughs> Weird tree tease, but all right. I cannot explain the sentence I'm about to say. Okay. But in my head, it... How do I even phrase this? Because it's nonsense. In my head, it, it looks like a level in a PlayStation 2 platformer. <laughs> Does that yeah, make any yeah. sense to anyone? Yes. Like, if there was a Jack and Daxter level that took place inside a tree, <laughs> that's what it looks like in my head. <laughs> I can't tell you why. It just does. I like that. We do find out that Atropos is a hoarder. That I was mostly shocked that to find out that Atropos poops. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> he, eat, he eats and sleeps and poops. And I just didn't think that he would do all those things because when they get down to his lair, they're taking inventory of just piles of shit everywhere. And, uh, you know, he's stuff got, or uh, shit. Uh, sorry, it's just stuff, <laughs> stuff for now. And they describe his bed. And I love the uh, when he sees the burlap pillow, he's like, the dreams that pillow has seen would drive me insane. <laughs> yeah. I did find it super weird that that he just has a little like a little apartment in this yeah. tree. And to, when he's scanning the room, he also comes upon a bucket that has a toilet seat on top of the bucket, like That's a camping right. toilet. I forgot about that. that why? Everybody poops, Ben. He, he, Does he poop argue. auras? <laughs> I, <laughs> I, I like, don't that's know. That's a weird question. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> yeah, in the context of this book, there are no weird questions. That's true. <laughs> Uh, we haven't seen Atropos suck anybody off. Doesn't mean he can't. <laughs> he he gets sucked off. You just know that. <laughs> I thought that when they go in the tree, that Ralph's clear output is, "I'm going to get the comb and those earrings, and we're going to get the fuck out of here." Mm -hmm. But then when he sees the hoarder level amount of shit around, it seems incredibly hopeless. But then they they hear a sound. Is this I is. It's insane that the, the <laughs> items... Okay, so every time I kind of wrap my head around what's going on in this book, and mm -hmm. I think this is the... This is it. Like, this is the, the biggest this world gets, the wackiest. Sure. Items that he took from people who are still alive are singing. Fucking weird. That's <laughs> so, it's so... It's such a cool detail, yeah, though. Yeah, yeah. How fucking loud is that room? Because there's so much shit there, right? Yeah. And not only is it like tons and tons of like little knickknacks and doodads, there's also literal like pallets of money. First of all, is when he takes money from someone, does it just belong to the last person that had it or everyone that had mm. it? Doesn't matter. There, if there's a pallet of dollar bills, that's so many. That's are they? And if they are all singing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I would have loved Ralph uh, to like walk into that room and be like, ah, oh, fuck. Just it's his run noise out. We can't machine. go in there. Yeah. It's his noise machine. Oh, to help him sleep. <laughs> that's how he yeah. sleeps. Oh, that makes sense. I, I, it's such a cool thing that that's how, you know, 
Ralph fills in, you know, pallet of money. All right, now we know where Ed got all this money mm. from to to do all this. I as they're like finding the stuff in here though, I do really like the uh pet cemetery Easter yes. egg. Really nice. A sneaker belonging to Gage Creed. Thanks for making me sad again. Yeah, right. <laughs> I didn't know how I felt about this. Yeah. Did you feel like it was shoehorned? Yeah. <laughs> oh, I didn't even yeah, that was, oh, take credit for it, <laughs> yeah. CM. D- oh. Just quick edit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm proud. <laughs> <laughs> You know, the traditional way we respond yes. when you say when you a good joke. You are proud. I'm no, just okay. going to stop talking. That was, no, that was Bill Hicks' catchphrase, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, no, I, I didn't know how I felt about this uh, because of how enormous the implications are. Let's talk about it. Can, can we also include the part about, like, Pennywise and stuff like how do these things exist in the same town how does that connect yeah that I didn't even that's so huge that I didn't even think (laughs) of that no I was just thinking of the implications of the order and the chaos this kind of really nails home that this is the foundation of how King's multiverse works that these doctors are just everywhere this is how life and death works in King's universe, I guess, yeah. which is crazy. But it also implies that at some point, a tiny bald doctor stole something from Jack Torrance and in- took mm-hmm. him for the chaos, you know? <gasps> it's every book Ooh, we've yeah. ever read. There's a little bald doctor scurrying around, pulling strings, literally, behind the scenes setting off all of these it it impacts every story we have ever read and will read it's it's too big and it's too silly of an idea the only reason it makes sense for him to have something of gauges is because he would have you know cut the balloon string and and taken it but that doesn't I don't think Atropos' cutting balloon strings always, you know, takes people for the chaos. I feel like he... Ed had a special thing about him yeah. that allowed him to... Like, he shouldn't have been continuing no, on. See, I assume, because he has so much stuff, he's he's stealing things and, and cutting balloon strings all the time. I assumed his entire role in this cosmos is kind of like um, in the show dead like me how they're the what are they the deathlings or whatever the little monsters that scurry around and cause accidental death i thought that was his whole deal is that anyone that dies a natural death i Mm -hmm. guess is taken by uh the other two thank you um I have gone this entire four episodes without saying their names out loud. I think I have to. I'm going to keep it going. Um, Yeah, those two handle the, like, purposeful deaths. Whereas everything that Atropos does is the violent strength like yeah okay no yeah you're absolutely right so which is of course reading king books 90 percent of the deaths <laughs> that we deal with like i just i'm i it blows my mind to see a little bald doctor running up and cutting a balloon string and then that person gets hit by a floating uh coke machine <laughs> that's crazy <laughs> well okay so that kind of ties into what through me which is these really large-scale, important, and insane things happening in dairy. it feels like, like in our world, if you're like, oh, yeah, I've seen in my backyard the chupacabra and Bigfoot. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that doesn't, no, they don't go together. <laughs> well, I mean, that's that's just another king thing. No, it's I, the, it's, I'm not truly criticizing Yeah, no, it. sure. Yeah, but. No, it's like uh, Star Wars. You know, why, Mm -hmm. why is every character on Star Wars, why, how do they all know each other? Like, (laughs) Star Wars is a huge universe and it all takes place on the same five planets. Yeah. It's, Stephen King is that, but main. So as we're going through this museum of horror, which we also discover that is the size of a small suburb. It is impossibly large. Which is, I think, another piece of evidence that it's not, you know, actually in Derry where mm-hmm. they are. 
Oh, it's a thinny kind of. Well, yeah, they they had to go up levels to even get yeah. to where they are. So as they went down yeah. into the earth is cool. Very cool. Uh, they find the the thing that is being calling out to them, and it is enshrouded in this black marble sized black hole that's sucking off everything in the room. <laughs> and <laughs> I did you guys have any guesses as to what was inside this marble of hate? No, and I'm really sorry, but I have love in an elevator stuck in my head now. Living it <laughs> up as you're going down. <laughs> they're, they're, anyway. Fantastic. I no, I did not expect the the black death bag in here to house, you know, Ed's wedding ring. This is baffling. This whole sequence. The whole how the ring works and behaves is so (laughs) surreal. It is just this whole, okay, this whole last portion of the book is just a hat on a hat on a hat on a hat on a hat. It's (laughs) hats all the way down. Yes. This book. (laughs) It's. So he, it's this this death bag, and it is actively siphoning off the life Mm -hmm. of everything in the room, which is so much stuff. And this is where Ralph uses his powers. Green lanterns? Yeah, Yeah. he does. He he does the green lantern thing, which is something that bothered me the whole book, and I haven't really touched on it, is just the the amount of, I, I try this, it works! It's so like golden age Superman. Like, <laughs> uh, what what can auras do? What superpowers does Ralph have? Whatever he needs in the moment. Ralph's superpower is intuition. Oh my yeah. god, <laughs> that would be my superpower to have whatever power I needed in the moment. Oh, that's cheating. But I don't also get it. genius. That's it. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah, that's the one wish. Yeah. That, Shit. But okay, so uh, Ralph, in this moment, he's like, well, I need to get through this somehow. And he green lanterns by turning his aura around his hand into big scissors and cuts through this bag, destroying it. And inside is Ed's wedding ring. And he picks it up and it's still there. What the fuck? (laughs) And he's like, huh, what? And he, he picks up another copy and there's another one still there. And I don't even remember his, he goes, oh, this must be how it works. <laughs> and it's so, not it's such nonsense that I immediately went, sure, whatever. And forgot <laughs> how, I was just like, yeah, it's a magic ring. Who cares? It's a one ring to yes. rule them all, which yeah. Ralph says a lot. <laughs> which is such King being like, see, this is, a, it's it's signaling how important this ring is. Rather, it, it's uh, telling and not showing. Mm. It's like, this ring is so powerful for some reason. You know the one ring and how important and powerful and cool that ring is? This is like that. Please think this is like that. <laughs> Everyone should really think about the Lord of the Rings when they read Insomnia. I love reading Lord of the Rings references before the movies. Yeah. Like before it became mm-hmm. as pop culture as it is now. Because it's you can tell that back then it was like, this is for the people who it's read like this stuff. It's like a deep stuff. cut. Yeah. Now it's, yeah. Yeah. So they uh, take the, their ring copies <laughs> and start to stroll out, except uh, Atropos has been lying in wait and he grabs Lois. And then my favorite thing happens because as the, we have this hostage moment, it's very intense for a second. And then Lois sees in the reflection <laughs> that he's wearing her earrings and she just fucking grabs and hauls his ass. Yeah. It's fucking <laughs> like great. Judo throws yeah. him. He's a tiny little doctor. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why'd that get you? I don't know. <laughs> well, it's like it's just, we've been saying it and taking it for granted. <laughs> but the phrase a tiny little doctor is very just innately funny. <laughs> Thank you, Ben. You're welcome. Yeah. Uh, but she just throws him and then proceeds to just start kicking his ass. <laughs> he's just like yelling at her to stop and Ralph for whatever logical reason it made sense for him rips her slip out 
from under her. He's been wanting to do that yeah, all day. I mean, come on. <laughs> and then uses it to throw it over Atropos and then uses that like a sling. <laughs> and David and Goliath's his ass across the room into a wall. It's so goddamn it's funny. Brilliant. This guy has been built up as this like <laughs> supernatural, otherworldly, uh, you know, being from another dimension. Don't fuck with Atropos. He's a being of, he, he's compared to us basically immortal you can't and then finally they're just like fuck this and beat the shit out of him. <laughs> basically sits on his chest and carves him up like a fucking turkey okay Ooh. i there's something i want to point out here because i think it's important so ralph goes over to him like you said he like puts he puts his knee on his back and has him face down and is holding him down and atropo says stop you're killing me they can't lie. Oh. Shit. I, I just I thought it was mm-hmm. interesting because it also shows that the power that they have, because no regular person could do that, that they've been supercharged yeah. by all the aura they've taken. But at least at this moment, they're a match. Ralph gets Lois to leave the room, uh, which is the moment when did anybody else like, oh, shit, this I, is going to go to a dark place. Well, and she's like, please don't kill him. Again, yeah. Lois is just the nicest lady. <laughs> She'll she sticks to her morals. What happens if Ralph had killed this guy? I don't. Would there be another uh, a new little bald doctor, or maybe he'd become the little bald doctor? <laughs> okay, that oh. would be the craziest thing that ever happened. <laughs> oh, it's like if, the Santa Claus. Yeah, if this, <laughs> in the last hundred pages, if this became the Santa Claus. I, I wouldn't be entirely surprised. <laughs> I'm just I would just continue to be confused. There is still time to make this adaptation with Tim <laughs> Allen playing oh Ralph. God. No. So Ralph's holding him down and he rips the earrings out of his ears. And that's when he realizes that he thinks Atropos might never have been hurt before. Mm-hmm. And that's also a terrifying idea. Yeah. yeah. And Atropos basically says. I'll make you a deal. You leave. Don't interfere anymore. And I'll leave you guys alone forever. You can live another 70 years and I'll never come near you again. And Ralph's response, uh, his uh, counter offer to this negotiation is to take the scalpel and start peeling him like a grape. This made me a little bit sick. It's not great. I I loved it. <laughs> it's awesome, but it it's m- a, made me. It's a cool moment. It's just like, odd. Oh, Ralph really did it. He broke the Geneva Convention. <laughs> 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 uh, yeah, it's it's a cool moment because like it's this you know extra dimensional being that he has been fucking with us the entire book, and it's like, yeah, fuck you, but also torture's bad. <laughs> he, it's bad to read about. He cuts off his ear. Yeah. yeah. Ooh. That's pretty great, though. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you can leave your physical mark on an extra dimensional being, yeah. go if, for it, If I I'm guess. ever in a fight, I hope I can cut off someone's ear. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, CM goes for the eyes, then she rips off the ear. Oh, yeah. note to self. Keep, keep CM happy at all costs. <laughs> <laughs> they, they make uh, a deal, though, and he lets Atropos up, and uh, the moment Atropos is up. He says, you know, I'll I'll stick to the deal we made that, uh, you know, I won't come after you guys. But here's what I'm going to do and shows him a vision that involves the red apple and a Boston Red Sox cap. And that's pretty much all we're given. Did you guys know? I I had an idea, but not the way that it happened. I was imagining like far, far future. It's actually the the problem I have with the mm. epilogue once we get there, mm. because to me, it was so goddamn obvious that I was just like, just get to it. There's <laughs> there's a lot of hemming and hawing mm-hmm. about it later on when I was just like, yeah, we all know. We know what's going to happen. You make it pretty clear. <laughs> Maybe not at this point. At this point, I think it's fair to be like, huh, I wonder what that's mm-hmm. about. But once it gets a little closer to once the the death watch starts winding again, yeah. it's like, OK, we know we know what's going to happen. Let's get to it. It's interesting because I wasn't 100 percent sure. I thought something else was going to happen, but mm. we'll get to it when we get to the epilogue. Fair. So this deal essentially is Atropos's way of saying if you don't interfere with if you interfere with the Civic Center, 
I'm going to do this vision that I showed you. And Ralph just knows that there's nothing he can do about this now. And away he goes. When he gets back up top, he gives Lois the earrings back. And they realize that at this point, it is en route. Mm -hmm. That he has less than 90 minutes before he is going to crash into the Dairy Civic Center. So... They go around to the old Crocs and uh, gain some powers and Door's there hanging out. Yeah, I love Door. Door's my favorite character in the the book, I think. I just love that he's talking to them, but no one can see them because they're up on a higher level and everyone's just like, classic Door. (laughs) Well, it it makes you wonder all the other times people were like, what's that weirdo doing? Who is he talking to? (laughs) I, I hope to be that old man one day. (laughs) <laughs> I want to be the guy that's just talking to nothing and everyone's like, yeah, that's bad. Yeah. But again, we I really thought we were going to get some answers about Dor and spoiler alert, we do no. not. Nope. All he says, like he basically leaves them with the, at this point, whatever happens, it's going to happen because of you guys. Mm-hmm. Nothing else anybody does is going to matter. Yeah. And then he's like, see, I'm going to go read some poetry. And I'm trying to remember this right. Kind of scolds them a little bit on just how... How they were just following everything the two doctors said to the letter. Yeah. So they go to Strawford Park and Ralph has decided in his infinite wisdom that if he's given a choice, he's going to choose neither because that's how he does things, <laughs> Ralph. And Clotho and the Kesis finally show up and walk out of the porta potties in the park. It's a very important spot. <laughs> <laughs> it proves that all three of the doctors poop. <laughs> And we get uh, we get another info dump. What did you guys think about this next info dump with the little bald doctors? I I did not remember the whole Patrick thing, and because when I first read this, the rest of the books mm-hmm. that deal with Patrick weren't out yet. The book yeah. that yeah. deals well, with Patrick. I mean, but I mean, there we weren't even sure. Yeah, no, I, Wolves of the Kala wasn't out when I read this book. Yeah, so yeah. so that moment, I was kind of like, oh, okay, cool, and then. Just never remembered it again. I don't even know if I caught it at the, you know, when he comes about again. Yeah. No, I absolutely remember the Patrick thing is like the big, one of the biggest things I remember about this book. Because I remember the first time I read this book, I had read the first four Mm -hmm. Dark Tower books. And I was, you know, a thousand percent in. Mm -hmm. But I remember getting to the end, which is... Obviously not this part, but the the end part that we will get to yeah. and being weirdly disappointed. Really? really? Yes. Which I guess I can talk about when we get to it. Sure, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll explain it, but. But we, we find out that Patrick is the reason all of this is happening. He is basically more important than anyone else. And and they do this whole thing. And I think this is something a lot of people have gonna, are going to be familiar with. That concept of basically usually deals with time travel. If you were able to go back in time and kill Hitler, mm. would you do that? Should you do that? Most people be like, hell yeah, let's do it. But yeah, their argument is that changes so many things. Like the world might not be what it is now. It might be worse, in fact, because of you know some other thing that happens because this opportunity has created the space for that that's it's really an interesting argument it's the uh dan carlin's uh, great people with capital g mm. like their their impact whether it be good or ill Ugh. i is- would argue always kill hitler a thousand percent of the time <laughs> i don't care how it changes the world mm. a whole lot more people would be alive No, that's not my argument. No, I know, I know. It's it's such a but the but the argument is: what if there's double Hitler? Yeah. What if you kill Hitler and double Hitler? Then you go. You have a time travel. You go back in time and kill double Hitler. Just constantly having to kill all these double Hitlers. Yeah, it's a lot. And you have a great life. (laughs) That's a lot of babies that you're killing. Speaking of, so insomnia. Oh, Josh. (laughs) Oh no! I brought it all back. Jesus Christ. They a part of this info dump is saying that uh, his mom couldn't get a sitter, so he is and Susan Day is his mom did get a sitter, oh, but the sitter right. cut her hand because this chaos thing is is changing everything mm-hmm. to place Patrick at the Civic Center because they saved him the first time, yep. which is real tough not to talk about how much it reminds me of eleven twenty two sixty three. Yes. It's yes. time yeah. being. What, how do they say it in the book? Time is ob. 
obstinate. I don't yeah, remember how it is. It's it, it's the the way things are supposed to be, or the 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 forces that are shaping things are actively working against mm-hmm. the people uh, uh, trying to save the day. Which also goes with their argument that you you think you're doing a good thing and things get worse. Oh, you guys! <laughs> <laughs> they explain finally that the the reason that Ed can do this is because he's not part of the random or the purpose because he's been cut free, essentially. He's been cut free and kept alive, so he is outside of these concepts and can do this. And they have to stop him because if he crashes that plane into the Civic Center, then the tower will fall. Does this make Ed the most dangerous villain we've Only had so technically. far? <laughs> just, be- just because of what he's capable of that... I mean, it, no one else is. It's it's the reason this is a keystone book yeah. is because it is so central and so it because it has the biggest effect on directly on the tower mm-hmm. and the tower stories. But t- does this story earn that? <laughs> <laughs> I think this story proves that the Crimson King is the the yeah. most evil. <laughs> like he's the one orchestrating all of this. So Ralph says to Clotho's, Clotho and Lachesis that he'll make them a deal also, and he'll save the boy for someone. And Lois is away for a bit and can't hear. She's catching little bits mm-hmm. of the conversation, and it doesn't look like this debate is going well as to what they're going to, to negotiate on. And then this voice booms, it may be so. <laughs> and everyone's like, Okay. Oh God! Um, <laughs> did the tower just talk to us? Is that was that what just happened? Is that what do you guys think? What was that voice? The white, maybe. Yeah. Yeah. I guess. Sure. <laughs> it's we've reached the point in like cosmic absurdity. Things are so far beyond human comprehension at this point. I I think any answer makes as much sense as anything. It was God. Who cares? It, it's something us trying to understand what it was is just going to make us go. Uh. <laughs> sure, sure. It, it, it's I like the white as as yeah. much as mm-hmm. any answer. Yeah, and this light goes into Clotho's scissors, and the deal is made. They oh, oh boy, oh, oh. not what I thought was going to happen with these scissors. Okay. Of everything in the book, this is the most visceral to me and difficult to read about it just Would you like to describe it to purge gonna, it from your brain i'm gonna try they basically take these scissors and we're seeing it from lois's perspective mm-hmm. still right and ralph rolls up his sleeve and he, the the doctor's so nervous that he almost like he fumbles and he almost drops the scissors so that is upsetting because <laughs> that, that's his tool and he cuts into Ralph's arm, and and oh, Ralph, Ralph asks him before this happens, which Stephen King is such a jerk. He's like, "Is this going to be painful?" And he's like, "Probably the worst thing you've <laughs> ever felt in your life." And the way um, it's described as him just opening his arm up, oh. I don't even know what happened after that because I was just so upset. <laughs> If this was a movie, I'd have to look away. Yeah. It's like, you know, getting even people you see needles going into arms mm-hmm. on screen. I can't mm-hmm. deal with it. It's, it's like the degloving scene in Gerald's oh, game. But no, from the don't elbow say down. that. Ugh. Like an elbow length degloving. God, God stop good saying Christ, it. Christ, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> so Lois watches all this happen and sees that at the end, you know, they. He runs his hand over the wound and it seals and he mm-hmm. has this white scar that's running down it, which is bitching. Uh, can I share something silly? Yeah. I assumed that what they did was basically make Ralph some sort of like bomb, for lack of a better word. Hmm. I kind and, of and it was going to be his thing. death, but it wasn't. No, it, it's a it was a promise ring. Oh, yeah. kind of. Gross. <laughs> yeah. Now, Ben, do you want to talk about what happens with Lois here when she hears a voice behind her asking her to turn around? I- I'll say what <laughs> I think I remember because I think I I thought I missed something. <laughs> nope. Because it's- she's she's watching this happen. She's like, oh fuck, that's terrible <laughs> to watch. And then all of a sudden, she what? Did she hear it or did she feel its presence? She turns around and there's a glowing green man. 
just standing there. Yeah, his aura is green and it's so bright that she can't really see, see who it's it like is. It's like a silhouette almost. Yeah. And he kind of motions for her to follow him, right? And then they walk off and then the chapter ends. And I'm like, what the fuck was that about? The last I have part no of this idea. book is, Still. did I miss something? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Theories? What is, did I? Do the green? Did I? Yeah. <laughs> ah, yes. Oh, do they oh, explain oh, this later? Oh, no, it's Dorrance. That that's what that's the only thing I could think of is that I, I swore it was gonna you know find out that it was Dor mm-hmm. for some reason that he had, but there's no reason that this happens. The green guy doesn't do anything. Uh, all he, he does is he tells her to give him the earrings without the backs. He he yeah. he put he infuses the earrings with the power that Ralph needs later with the Crimson King. So it might not be Dor, but I feel like Dorrance and this green man are either the same or they are similar. Like they exist in the same sort of universe. I just wouldn't think it was Dor because he, why wouldn't you just come up to her? Well, the last time we saw him, he said, whatever happens is up to you guys implying he wouldn't be a part of anything. That's true. Yeah. I don't know. It's just such a, uh, yeah. I'm so curious. So listeners, if you guys know, I like, why didn't, why didn't King just make Ralph and, you know, getting his promise degloving forget to give Lois back her earrings and then he sure. finds them in his pocket the way he found the yeah. pepper spray. We have to be missing something. Like there's oh, got to be something. Please help us. Somewhere. <laughs> I don't know. It, it's it's the whole like there's no there's so little agency in this fucking book for our main characters because the powers above them are causing everything. It, it makes everything that happens in the entire book feel like fucking Uh, sleepwalking through the plot. Nothing really, nothing that our main characters do truly matters because they were just going to do it anyway because this, these forces were pulling their, you know, fucking strings. strings. (laughs) (laughs) Sorry. But I think in the end, they can always choose inaction. And Ralph threatens as much mm-hmm. b- multiple times. So I think the the desperation that the the higher powers have to push them in that direction, like you can you can feel how desperate the universe is to make him say yes because in the end what he does next he could just choose not to do. I so it's guess. it's like it's it's similar to that, like the the chosen one stories where it's, you know, a, a destiny thrust upon you that you can't fight and can't do anything about, mm-hmm. uh, except for this is someone else called you to destiny <laughs> sure, <laughs> and it, is going to drag you kicking and screaming sure. to the finale. No, my problem is just there's no like setup for anything that happens. Mm-hmm. There's no setup. It's just them going from place to place and then usually some outside force showing up and being like, oh yeah, by the way, do this. Yeah. This is the next thing you do. It's like a scavenger hunt. Yeah. It's, mm-hmm. it is unsatisfying is mm-hmm. what it is. Uh, when your characters are, not, when your main characters that are supposedly there to save the day, um, all, none of their actions are due to them, their own, you know, reasoning it's just they're like oh, i i guess i'm gonna go and do this now because a green man showed up and said so that's a really good point because this a lot of this time i've been comparing it in my head to the talisman mm-hmm. in that that first chunk is a lot of exposition it's a lot of getting you in into this person's world before ranking up mm-hmm. how topsy-turvy it is and i had the same problem where the beginning of this i wasn't super into it same thing with the talisman but I think the difference, you just nailed it, is there are no godlike beings that drop down to Jake and say, hey, mm-hmm. this is your next stop. Yeah. And then peace out. Jack. And that's, oh, yes. Jack. It's okay. Jake, Jack. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, nobody, you know, gives Travel and Jack the, the next place. And yeah. then the next place. He's got to figure mm-hmm. it out on his own where Ralph has been uh, given signposts. And also the talisman kind of by by the first half of the book, the rules of the world are explained. Mm-hmm. You mm-hmm. get that's true. You get what is going on in this up until the last goddamn like once it, up until the point where he's in the plane. They're still making shit up. 
Yeah. They're still like, oh, and also this wild thing happens sometimes. <laughs> this whole book is really build the plane while you fly it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it absolutely is. Honestly, I mean, that's something Stephen King has said, though, about, you know, writing and then the story just being what happens. I can definitely see this being a story that started in one direction and then something else got out of hand. Yeah. And he he just followed it to its destination. And that's I mean, that's kind of great on its own. It's full of wild imagination. Yeah. (laughs) Can't argue with that. That's true. So back to the story. Uh, Ralph gets the earrings. Uh, that are supercharged by the green man. Um, <laughs> sure. And goes, in, uh, take some of Lois's energy uh, to power himself he up. He sucks her yeah, off some? hard. He, he sucks this off is like insane. 40 years. Yes. She just, he gets like suck happy and he can't <laughs> stop or something. And she literally ages. Like what he say? She looks like 20 years older. Yeah, she's, uh, he says that she looks like she could be in her 70s, yeah. I yeah. think. Which is older than she is yes. by a lot. I would be angry at him. Yeah. I'd be like, hey, buddy, I didn't say you could take it all. Right. <laughs> I'd never and let Ralph suck me he, off again. <laughs> <laughs> he needs it more than she does right now because he yeah. goes Well, and, and then she sucks off a hobo. <laughs> A Which tra- isn't what we call people, but... <laughs> a tradition they started together, mind you, so he's going to have some feelings about that. He goes into the bathroom, he slides on Ed's ring over his on his ring finger, and the back wall just falls away into the cockpit of the plane. I love, though, that... So, so Ralph makes his way there, and he's not, like described as being in the plane but sort of outside of the plane <laughs> he's like his head is like still through the top part a so little scary. bit <laughs> i agree weird man being a ghost sounds terrifying <laughs> but he sees on the control panel of the plane a photo of uh the three of them of ed helen and natalie from about a year before, uh, like when she'd just been born. You piece of shit. Don't put a picture of your wife and baby in your death plane after what you did and, and are about to do. <laughs> I, it drives me crazy that at no point during this confrontation does Ralph yell, those two are in that building that you're about to hit. Like, mm. I, he, I mean, Ed is so far gone at this yeah. point, it wouldn't have done any good. But like, it, why would you not at least, at least be try. like, hey, you fucking idiot he's too busy catfishing (laughs) (laughs) weird why does any of this happen (laughs) i don't know uh but he ralph uh steps into the plane all the way and i like that ed's like what the fuck how the fuck did you get here Mm -hmm. and then ralph fights him (laughs) before ralph can do anything his mother shows up like it's like try to describe this right he's in the plane and he's on a, a level so he's not like physically physically there and when he looks over it's not the rest of the plane or the sky he sees it's his old house and his mother sitting in a rocking chair and she has this red pool of blanket that she's knitting on her lap and he thinks that's odd because he didn't even know if she knew how to knit like that just wasn't something he ever saw her doing and from here it gets so fever dream weird like i i I... love this sequence (laughs) There's no way when when we continue to describe what happens, if you're listening, and I know this happens, some people do this, and you haven't read this, it's going to sound like it should be stupid or silly and (laughs) just ridiculous. It is effective, in my opinion. It's so bizarre. It it goes over that line of like, this should be in a different book, almost. (laughs) It's, Mm. it comes out of nowhere. And it's, that level of dreamlike uh, state that King is just so fucking good at writing. It makes you feel unnerved in where you thought you were in this world and what you thought you understood. Mm-hmm. It just takes you as a reader, kind of you sidestep somewhere else that you didn't agree to be and doesn't feel good. And it's like only King has that ability. Yeah, it rules. It's the the, the way the room slowly just gains more detail Mm -hmm. the longer he looks at Mm -hmm. it and there's those small things like there's roses by the window and he's sure that his mom never had roses in the house Mm -hmm. and he's noticing all this detail and the detail that really struck me and i wasn't expecting it to hit was that he noticed that his mother had no aura and i was like oh that's what a weird thing (laughs) to notice since you've been spending all this time with those auras 
And he realizes that he is not in his home. He is in the court of the Crimson King. I, I gotta say, the Crimson King is way less intimidating in person. <laughs> He's way more, like, personal. It's like, he really knows Ralph. He seemed, like, way, way, you know, higher level. Like, I don't know. It just felt so interestingly targeted. Do you know what I'm trying to say? Well, yeah, because he says that he, the way he feels afraid makes him realize he's never truly been afraid before because it's like the Crimson King is already inside him. Mm -hmm. I like, too, that he's, he has this, like, memory that's sort of trying to come through about telling his brother. Mm -hmm. Well, he doesn't even say what it is quite yet. He's like, get it off me, Johnny, or I can't remember his name is. And his mom's like, at first her voice is right, but she kind of looks off and then her voice starts to be off. And then he notices and she's telling him like, you mind me now. And that's something she would always say. And he notices she has like whiskers. He's like, my mom didn't really have, you know, a hairy face. And then he, this is ridiculous. Then he realizes (laughs) that those whiskers are catfish whiskers so the crimson king is inside this image of his mom that is turning into this catfish that scared the crap out of him when he was a little kid the queen fish yes queen calls it oh so gross it's a really (laughs) gross image because yeah yeah. this this this, uh memory that he has is going fishing with his brother and a catfish biting his hand when they were little kids yeah, yeah when they were little little so it like engulfs his entire hand and he's swinging it around and he can't get it off and when he finally does he throws it to the ground and stomps on it which i don't know if you've ever seen a small animal get stepped on no thank god uh well yeah, and all the eggs bad spill it's out, bad which is all the eggs what I makes forgot. it and the his brother the reason he was freaking out other than like if you're not intentionally trying to noodle a catfish i'm sure that's the worst <laughs> thing that ever happened but his brother told him be careful of the whiskers because they're poison. Mm-hmm. And he realized, you know, at some point my brother was just scared and they weren't poison, but that's why he freaks out so hard and ends up like stomping on this catfish. And that's when he realizes, oh, this is a female catfish that was like a day away from releasing these eggs to be fertilized. And I, I know it's a fish, but it made me really sad. It's so sad. <laughs> a lot of uh, baby death on so many levels yeah. in this book. <laughs> And that's when the Crimson King tells him that shape-changing is an honored custom here in Derry. <laughs> Terrific Great. line. Great line. Um, and then Ralph does the only thing that you can do when you are faced with a giant catfish <laughs> attacking you. Stab it in the fucking eye with an earring. It right? works. <laughs> yeah. I was going to say cover it in lemon juice. But fine. <laughs> it's fine, too. And when he stabs him in the eye, the illusion drops. The... Crimson King lurches forward to bite him, and Ralph, instead of pulling away, shoves his fist into his mouth. Mm. And the uh, the the way I was like thinking of it is the the trap in his arm goes off mm-hmm. and blows him up from the inside. Yeah, like the sky opens up and he retreats back to the tower. We also get a glimpse of what he really looks like, or maybe really looks like. Yeah, he's an awful old man in a no, red cloak. Right? He's a tall blonde. Like, he's a tall blonde with red skin and red eyes. Oh, yeah, yeah that's not what he looks like. So, so. weird. <laughs> <laughs> in in your head canon? No, in the canon canon. Never mind. Honestly, don't we'll, remember we'll how get how he's physically described. Uh, I, and then there's the little uh, the light he's going into. The dead lights. Mm-hmm. Uh, little comment in there. Uh, when all of that falls away, he's back outside. He's like five feet to the right <laughs> of the plane. And then, but I do love that he's stayed alongside on the trajectory and everything. It's so strange that we have this huge, like this epic showdown with the Crimson King. And then Ralph now has to go fight Ed. I'd be yeah. like, hey, I'm done. Like, did you <laughs> see what I just did? Not good enough, really? Come on. I banished the Crimson King. Right. And I have to fight this dude. <laughs> when he goes back in, it, right before he takes down Ed, uh, this is something that we kind of talked about throughout the series of what part of Ed uh, was changed and how much. Mm-hmm. And it's at this point that Ralph kind of puts his thoughts out there for us that Ed knew that the devil had been let in. Mm-hmm. He was all right with it. He could have... If he wanted to, he could have pushed it out, yeah. but he chose not to. Yeah. Clotho and Makisa says, 
kept telling him it's always a choice. Mm -hmm. There's always a choice. And Ed leaned in. I love this whole book of like, I've gone back and forth, you know, not Mm -hmm. knowing like, is this something that happened to Ed? Is this something he participated in? Is it a, you know, sort of combination? And it's just cool to be taken on that ride. So before he comes back down to the level that Ed's on, he so smart arms himself with the earring and then loops his fingers through the wires of the detonator. So as soon as he comes back, he can pull the Mm -hmm. stuff out. So great. So he comes down, he does that and they fight for control of the plane and it goes, it goes back and forth Mm -hmm. in very cool way. And Ed is able to maintain the upper hand and constantly bringing it back towards the civic center And that's when Ralph grabs the photo. How would you describe Ed's reaction to that grab? He seems to give a shit about them now. (laughs) Is that too angry? (laughs) Yeah, no, that's... It's, I mean, yeah. But the the implication with Ed's reaction that dawns on him is that he keeps yelling, give them back. Mm -hmm. Oh, he's not talking to Ralph. Yeah. Yeah. He's he's talking to the Crimson King who took his family from him by putting him in this Fuck position, up. which he also chose to be in. Yeah, His family was not taken from no, him. No, but am I he reading that right? That, that's wife. his perception. That is, that's right. what yeah. he is saying. Yeah. Well, because he's a guy like that, that yeah, yeah, would yeah, he's, play he's, the victim. Exactly. And, yeah. yeah, definitely. Yeah, very interesting. Yeah. So he lunges for the photo. Ralph punches him in the throat. I love a good Finally. throw punch. <laughs> I love a good throw punch. It's why Taken is my favorite movie. <laughs> and uh, Ralph does the only thing he can do. It's too late to turn it away or pull back up. So he nosedives straight down into the ground, into the parking lot. And at the very last minute, he's sure he is going to be destroyed. Because the Crimson King even said, on this level that shockwave resonates through all levels, Mm -hmm. you'll be obliterated no matter what. So he has accepted he's going to die. I thought so too. (laughs) Yeah, 100%. And we hear Lois, and Lois is like, get your ass out of here, and pulls him back through the porta potty. (laughs) Would you guys like to talk about the crash? Any any fun takeaways from the crash? This made me, okay, what we said should happen and would happen today was happening. So that's kind of cool because we are at the Civic Center Everybody is there. Susan Day is giving a speech. People have like armbands, I think armbands, mm-hmm. yeah. to, you know, they're mourning and they're paying their respects to the women who lost their lives. And Susan Day is making a speech about that issue. And I, I felt really bad when the crash happens and she gets decapitated. It, Fucking it's, a. A, it's a throwaway line that they're like, and she gets decapitated and her ha- head sails off and lands in the sixth row. And then that's it. And it's like, wow, that is a inglorious it's, end. I, I love it, though, because it just shows how not important to the story she was. She was it, like it, it was all an excuse that we, yeah. we talked about that in so many of these episodes that it was a, what they were fighting over. The fact that Susan Day in the end, doesn't matter to what happened. That's upsetting. Yeah. Something about that is upsetting. It it brings (laughs) me to what I said earlier, that I find this ending to be kind of a disappointment. Mm. Um, Because I I understand this, this theme of... The, the one for the many, you know, that, that saving Patrick, we are told, which not to even go into that saving this one little boy is so much more important than saving the thousand women that just died. The, the fact that we are told that this one kid is, he's, he's saved, so the day is saved. So many people die. Mm-hmm. It, it is, I remember reading it at the, the first time reading it, and we have a moment with Patrick and his mother in the, you know, in the stadium. And they hear the commotion, the explosion outside. And uh, thankfully, they're distracted and don't see Susan Day's head fly into the crowd. But they're, they, you know, there's panic going on. And there's this moment where we find out that Patrick is a... a College-level uh, artist. Just a <laughs> savant uh, for art. Mm-hmm. And in the stands, he has been drawing a picture of a tower standing in a field of roses with a cowboy standing in front of it and he says and he says that's that's roland he's a king i dream about him sometimes and i remember reading that and being like 
cool. <laughs> Could this have not happened at in the last 30 pages of the book? Like, mm-hmm. it, it, it is such a throwaway. It is such a, this entire book is just set up for another series of books that, at the time I read it, were not done. And <laughs> there was no promise that they would ever be finished at the time, which mm-hmm. I think is something we have to think about because, you know, after the fourth book, how long of a gap was there between book four and book five? Like, after he got yeah, hit, it was a long after time. He, King's accident, there was, like, no guarantee that the Dark Tower series was mm-hmm. ever going to be finished. So reading this and being like, what the fuck? The entire purpose of this book is to set up something that I don't know that I will ever get to read. Mm-hmm. And having an entire book where it's like, we're going to save all of these people, and then all of these people are not saved. It, it just kind of bums me out. It is very King, though, that uh, saving, you that you can't save everybody. Sure, mm-hmm. yeah. They, they save the cheerleader, they save the world. Right. That's great. <laughs> 71 people were trampled to death in the leaving of the Civic Center. Uh, Lidecker nearly dies. He ends up in a coma for a few days. The guy he's standing next to gets cut in half. This is a dairy thing, too. Mm. No matter how hard you try and how much good you do and how Mm. truly you save the day, you never fully save the day in dairy. I want to just. That's a really cool point. (laughs) Because, like, the, the, the consequences of defeating it. Half the city is destroyed. Right. So, yeah, that's a really interesting mm-hmm. point. Uh, since we're not done being bummed out yet, <laughs> I just want to point out that uh, when Ralph does ask Clotho Machesis if this is all over after, you know, we find out about what happened to the explosion, uh, Clotho says that uh, the boy lived and will live another 18 years. He'll save two men just before his death. So no, Patrick not, also dies not at true, 20. But would, we'll get to that. Dies at 22, <laughs> according to what? Clothos projection is, which that also like that was also sad. Yeah, it's, it's also like, oh, sad. Great, like, thanks. We, yeah, we <laughs> saved this guy for a handful more of years compared to mm-hmm. the total years left and all the people who died. Oh, I sorry. I just want to go back to something real quick. Susan Day dying kind of makes me feel I could be totally wrong. Please don't hold me to this, but it gave me the impression that the message King perhaps was conveying, or maybe he wanted us each to take away our own message, was more of that. No, neither side is right, which it, is frustrating. It is once again just more of more centrist bullshit. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, I agree with that completely. I, I guess I just more took it as, like I said, the if I have a better way to phrase this than the rambling way I did mm-hmm. earlier. I, I think my opinion is a very, very influenced by the time we live in right now because I didn't feel I didn't question these concepts when I read this for the first time and the because the things what am I trying to say it's just Uh, I I I know what you mean yeah like well I also had very few opinions about abortion as a 15 year old boy well I just I just hate to to attribute messages that are happening because mm-hmm. of now when he didn't write this now sure. he wrote that before so yeah. i don't want to be unfair yeah, to the yeah, writing yeah. and say well blah 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 because that's just shitty but reading it now it does kind of make me feel that way yeah what I, I think it is the the reason that i finger uh, air quotes glad that she's dead Okay, <laughs> and this was after taking time yeah. to get the yeah. right way to phrase yeah. that. Yeah, yeah. I, 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 pull, I, I chose all the right words. <laughs> he had to think of those quotes. Yeah, yeah. put those around. Yeah. Glad. Yeah, I miss. I misspoke when I even said air quotes. Um, <laughs> it, it's that because everybody else, nearly every character on the periphery of this story, is so focused on Susan Day. She is the one person everyone's focused on protecting. She is the one person everyone is focused on. Meanwhile, our heroes of the story are focused on facing uh, the gods to save one person that no one's given a second thought about. Mm -hmm. And for it to end with the one person that everyone's been looking at as the focal point, the person we need to focus on, the person we need to save, Mm -hmm. dying, is is the the cosmic purpose and random proof that her life was not keystone yeah like she like it was being treated to everybody the, these people in this uh, additional secret city in Derry knew the real importance 
is I, the universe. That that was the I get convoluted that. That train. makes sense to me. I you know what guys. I'm I'm just a a woke little snowflake sometimes. <laughs> I, and I've been called uh, that plenty just of times, a, I guess. Some officious Maybe little I pricks. Am. Oh yeah. <laughs> no, it's I I am not trying to make a statement or argue anything. It's just this is what I love about rereading books. Mm-hmm. They are going to have different messages for the same people based on what's going on when they read them and it's just fascinating. Yeah. Not right or wrong, just fascinating. I think it sucks. <laughs> anyway. Ralph teaches them how to shake hands. Um, <laughs> that is cute. I do. It is really great that he's like the take her easy and Cloth is like, wait for it. I'll take her any way I can get her. <laughs> right? And he's like, yeah, buddy. It's like, <laughs> yeah. It's like Terminator 2. <laughs> yes. This book this book is exactly like Terminator 2. Put it on the back of the jacket. Oh, God. Um, they get back to Lois's house. Uh, she takes him to the bedroom for the only thing on everyone's mind, <laughs> sleep. Because <laughs> they're finally tired. <laughs> I just, I, it's such a cute thing that mm-hmm. they both like go home, shower, and just go to bed together because they can. <laughs> epilogue time. Ben, ben, do you want to set a, a tone for the epilogue? It's too goddamn long. <laughs> Agreed. Fuck. Agreed. It, it is because, okay, it starts that Ralph and Lois get married. Very they cute. have years of of happy times together. They they love each other. It's nice. But at a certain point, Ralph starts to hear the ticking of the Death Watch again. Before the ticking of the Death Watch, though, to point out that they run into Dorrance outside the reception hall after their wedding, and he tells them that the longtimers are very pleased with how things went down, and they have no idea what he's talking about. Yeah, mm. they they have already like in so many of the books. They're Bev and Bend. Yeah, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like so many books. Once the the supernatural events have ended, and it is no longer necessary for them to remember this. And I honestly think this is one of my favorite mm-hmm. like kingisms yeah. because yeah. I feel like this is how the human mind See, would have to work. I would be so angry that I was robbed of the memory of that. Except I wouldn't remember to be angry. <laughs> yeah, it's just i i sense that like if something so traumatic and so antithetical to the way that we as humans believe mm-hmm. the world works we're thrust into the middle of that in like this high uh high anxiety tense situation i absolutely a thousand percent agree that as soon as we're back in a safe space that we'd be like no we yeah. don't need yeah. to think about this ever again we're all Richard Sloat in the end. Yeah. It's, <laughs> you sleep forever and you come out the other side saying none of it ever happened. Yeah. Yeah. So, but they, they have years of happiness and um, the deep nows move on and uh, Natalie grows up and they're happy and it's great. But then the, the death watch begins to tick again and Ralph starts losing sleep. It's when that when he's like it, it woke up and it was 5 45 mm-hmm. i was like oh fuck all right here we go and it it starts the death watch is getting louder and he, he's waking up earlier and a few weeks later he can start seeing hazy auras again and it's all just coming back it's ramping up but you're right it absolutely does take its time <laughs> to get there especially because it becomes pretty clear at least for me it was very obvious that this this thing that they're counting down to the end is going to be Ralph saving I didn't know whose, mm-hmm. whether it was going to be uh, Natalie or uh, what's her name? Helen. Heather, Helen, yeah. Helen. I thought it was going to be Natalie. Like I kind of figured. It, it makes more sense yeah. it, uh, narratively. It became pretty obvious to me that it was Atropos had shown him mm-hmm. one of the two other characters in this book that he cares about <laughs> dying. Right. And that the final sacrifice was going to be Ralph giving his life for right. theirs. Yeah. And then it takes goddamn forever to get to that because it starts with him being like slowly remembering, slowly coming to recognize that the Death Watch this time is coming from him. Mm -hmm. His time is coming up and he doesn't really know exactly what it is. But when Natalie and Helen come over in Red Sox caps, he's like, this is part of it. This is this is going to be what it is. 
And then the day comes and he wakes up and he's nervous because he knows that mm-hmm. what is going to happen. And he tries sneaking out of the house. He tries telling mm-hmm. uh, Lois, hey, I'm going to go get us ice cream. Uh, and she doesn't. And they waste so, much, so time much time with him explaining everything to Lois. Unnecessary. <laughs> we are the ones that need to know what's going on. We already get it. Yeah. Like, we did not need the step-by-step of, oh, when he showed me this vision, it was of Natalie getting hit by a car. Just show us that. Just show us you rescuing her from the car, and we'll go, oh, I know why. (laughs) Now that fills in all this information. Yeah. But instead, we get more exposition dumps in the last 10 pages of a book. (laughs) It's frustrating. I mean, it's understandable. Like, everything Lois is begging him not to do it Mm -hmm. uh, once, you know, she figures it out. She, everything is perfectly reasonable. There, there is this, this hard choice because she, like, she even says, if it's losing the man that I love or some other person, no matter who they are to me. I will always choose that other person doesn't want to go through that again. And it's understandable. But I think with everything we've gone through with this book that I think you're absolutely right. The epilogue really should have been wrapping like, I've got to do this and then going into it. Yeah. Here's what I thought was going to happen. That doesn't happen. I thought that Lois, like, so we, when, when we get to the moment outside the, the red apple, uh, Atropos has, set up Rosalie 2, the dog that they got, and Natalie is coming towards the dog, and he is going to smack the dog to run into traffic. Then a car will swerve to miss the dog, Mm -hmm. run over Natalie. That is the plan. What I thought was that Lois and Ralph were, like, she was going to commit to rescuing with him, and they'd Mm. both die. That's what I thought was going to happen. A little convoluted. But I thought that's what we were building up to of I, Lois's I won't. I think that would have been a pretty wild uh, <laughs> deal for Ralph to make. That I, hey, hey, let's save this one person and take me. And I'll throw in my girl. <laughs> <laughs> take, take my wife, please. <laughs> um, so... Before we see the accident play out, I just love that we also get to check in with Mrs. Perrin, <laughs> um, who I'm glad she's still her feisty old self. And her conversation with the newspaper with the guy, that the reporter, she's like, he came out of nowhere and saved that girl. You're gonna fucking say that I said it's like he came out of nowhere. <laughs> he came out of nowhere. Yeah. And then it cuts to her reading the paper and reading the headline saying, quote, it appeared he came out of nowhere. And she's like, God damn it. <laughs> her and Dora, best yeah. characters. It's so great. I can't wait for their spinoff. Right. <laughs> where they find love in their old age. Uh, yeah. Uh, so, I, I mean, I just explained what happens, the this, this mm-hmm. plan. The moment that I love, though, is when Atropos sees Ralph see him mm-hmm. and he's like this can't be fucking happening again. <laughs> so mad that he's he can like see him covered again. in scars yeah. in his one ear and he's like god damn it <laughs> so uh, everything goes as atropos's plan except for ralph uh, ascends so he can move faster and comes out shoves natalie out of the way and he's hit by the car mm-hmm. and it's bad yeah it's not uh, Jake Ch- Chambers bad, but spoilers. Uh, <laughs> Jesus we, we read the book. We covered it on the show. Oh yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I forgot that happened. <laughs> but it's but it's bad, and it's a yeah. poor like it's a teenage kid learning to drive. Mm. Like there's just a, a so many tragedies that Atropos just wanted to line up on this one, but Lois runs to him and holds him and hi- like shields his body from everybody else and. Clotho and the Kieses show up, mm. which I thought was really nice. Yeah. And I love that she doesn't see him, but we we get the one-sided version of the take her any way I can get her <laughs> response when he like shakes hands with the air. And I just thought that thought that was super cute. <laughs> I was really touched that they were with him in the end. Yeah. yeah that that's made me nice. really happy. Yeah. And as uh Ralph dies, they absorb some of his aura uh in their handshakes. And then as Lois is holding him, they touch 
either side of her face and put some of Ralph's aura into oh, her yeah. so that she has him forever. After punching me in the gut so many times, <laughs> you know, Ugh. it's like we earned yeah, a something bit nice. Something. <laughs> yeah. Man. And then I tweeted at Stephen King that I cried when I finished <laughs> reading it. I did, man. That the the way they describe the aura going into her face and the way she physically responds to mm-hmm. it. And it just it broke my heart in such a beautiful way. Uh, so that's that's insomnia. Ratings? It certainly yeah. fucking is. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, who's going first? Uh, I'm. I don't care. I'll, I'll go first. Okay. Uh, I kind of hinted at it a little bit earlier about my feelings, where it was the build the plane as you fly it kind of mm-hmm. writing. And while I do enjoy where the book ends up, and I understand why it's a favorite for a lot of people, that beginning is just kind of a, a long road to get through. But I gotta say, I like the <laughs> insanity in the last section enough that I will probably reread this again sooner than later. And so I'm going to go four out of five blue chambray shirts. Interesting. Okay. Is this a keystone book? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. Completionists only. (laughs) (laughs) I cannot imagine if I had read this book earlier than I had, like if I had read this book before I was already a super fan, I don't think I would have read a King book again because it is so all of the stuff that I like about this book is not because of this book. It is the lore that Mm -hmm. adds Mm -hmm. to other books that I like much, much more. So like I I could never recommend this book to (laughs) pretty much anyone other than people that are already like I'm fucking all in. Right. There's a few neat things in here, but overall, rough read. I'm giving this a fucking two out of five blue chambray shirts. Well, this is a messy book, and it is really, as you were talking, is like, yeah, I'm I'm probably a little biased to it because of what it represents Mm -hmm. in King's universe for me, which I'm super into. So I don't think you're wrong. You're probably right. (laughs) I will recommend it to people. Just to see, like to test that out. <laughs> oh, you think you like King? Read Insomnia. No, but I I did enjoy the things I liked enough, even though there were some parts of it that frustrated me and left me kind of water- wondering, what is the message of this? Yeah. How how are we supposed to feel? I, I think, though, I'm going to give it five out of five blue chambray shirts. Of course you are. and that is it for this episode of dairy public radio as always thank you for listening join us next time where we will be covering another patreon selection by robin nickerson lisey's story and we will be reading through part one chapter six for joshua khan and benjamin graham i'm cm alexander reminding you of all the things which make up our short time lives sleep is surely the best Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to Insomnia Part 4. We hope you enjoyed it. And special thank you to our supporters for this episode, SKL Stephen King Lovers, a fun, informative, and all-around awesome group of Stephen King fans. If you haven't already, please visit them on Facebook at SKL Stephen King Lovers and join this great community. In fact, you should head over there right now to give us your answer to the question, Who do you think the green man is, and what role does he play in the world of King? And don't forget to keep up to date with us on Facebook and Instagram at Dairy Public Radio and Twitter at Dairy Public. Send us an email at dairypublicradio at gmail.com, and check out our Patreon page for bonus episodes and our Etsy store for more cool stuff. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.